All right, this lesson I wrote in preparation for Kenya, my Kenya mission trip earlier this year. When I went to Kenya for the first time uh, a year and a half ago, I had never encountered what is called tribalism. Now, being in the South, we totally get racism. But I had never encountered tribalism. I understand bigotry. Being in the South, we totally understand prejudice. We totally understand racism. You know, we understand the Ku Klux Klan. We understand black and white animosity. Now we're, we're marching into Hispanic animosity as far as uh, Americans uh, not trusting Hispanics. And, of course, the Islam situation. What we need to do is we need to judge our hearts and constantly keep it pure. In the South, we thought we had a market on anti-black, anti-white racism. And uh, we're realizing there's a lot more prejudice and racism out there than that. Uh, even among the Hispanics, there is a gang called La Raza, which means the race, and they believe they're the preferred race, and they hate everybody else, whites, blacks, everybody. <laughs> when we were unloading this playground, the truck driver was from Canada. He was a Sikh. A Sikh is a religion. That's the, the guys that have the turbans and the beards. And so I, I know a little bit about Sikhism. It's spelled with an S-I-K-H. And I said, uh, I said, you're a Sikh. He said, yes, you know. I said, well, yeah, I know a little bit about Sikhism. And uh, the Sikhs are, uh, you know, they're a pagan religion, but they worship the ten gurus, and they wear a turban. They never cut their hair. They always hear a comb on them and carry a mirror. They carry a little holy book. They carry a little dagger on them. But Sikhs hate Muslims. Passionate. In fact, they, their religion evolved around eradicating Muslims there in the Kashmir territory of India and uh, Pakistan. And so there's an animosity among those folks that to us, they look identical. But the Sikhs hate Muslims and the Muslims hate the Sikhs. The Sikh is a warring religion designed to eradicate Islam. So when you see a turban, walk a little closer if you're in an airport because <laughs> they're not going to blow you up. That's the radical Islam. We, we, the, the root origin of all of this is the devil. It's hatred. It's animosity. It's bigotry. So I wrote this lesson helping the churches in Kenya, but of course it can be applied to us as Southerners and us as Americans. The technical term for all this is called xenophobia, when you are afraid of foreigners or people different from you. And we have to, uh, we have to resist that. Tribalism in Kenya is the belief that one's tribe is better than another, and the tribalism in Kenya is so strong they actually will kill each other over it, even in modern times. In Kenya, the political situation is such that they don't have political parties, they have tribal parties. And so there's over 20-something different tribes in Kenya, and there's big ones and small ones and everything in between. And uh, so the, the, the bigger parties always assimilate the littler parties or tribes and say, if we can have your vote, we, we promise to defend you politically if our guy gets into the presidency of Kenya. And in the last election, I think it was 2008, when Kenyatta became president, the tribalism was so strong that Christians were killing Christians along tribal lines during the presidency. I mean, think about that. Spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians, because they were of one tribe, were attacking spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians of another tribe because they were of a different tribe. We're talking about blockading them in their churches and burning the churches to the ground on tribal lines. That's a demon. A demon that can drive born-again Christians to kill their brother in Christ. And yet we have that same kind of stupidity here in the South between whites and blacks. Uh, between whites and Hispanics. And we're all born again, if we are born again. So anyway, 
We wrote this lesson for that. So I call this lesson tribalism and bigotry. Tribalism is strong loyalty to one's own tribe, party, or group. Now, of course, you think of tribes, you might think of Native American tribes because that's our context. You have African tribes. Uh, you have clans in Scotland. Um, you have tribes among the Inuits and the Eskimos. You have tribes in Central and South America. They're still called Indians. All it is is strong loyalty to one's own party or group. Po- politics is tribalism. Politics is tribalism. You can hate somebody in traffic till you see they have your, your party's bumper sticker. Then all of a sudden, that's your bra. That's your bro. Hey, they're not so bad. Cut me off all you want. Yeah, wah, wah, go Democrats. Go Libertarians. Go Trump. Go whoever your candidate was. Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But those things which were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. This verse can be applied to tribalism or to race. When you got born again, your loyalty and allegiance to even your last name should be obliterated. To your skin color, obliterated. It's all dung. Your last name, your political party, your denominational affiliation, that's tribalism. We'd call it denominationalism. It is a strong allegiance against others in favor of your affiliation. And that's sin. And Paul said here, everything I counted gain when I was carnal... When I became a Christian, became dumb. We are committed first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything else after that has to be judged in light of His Word and the Spirit of God speaking to us at that moment. It's all lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. And so you can see this, this verse is very strong to preach in Africa, especially in the tribal areas of Africa, when I sit there and I tell them, Look, Jesus Christ doesn't favor Lewis over any other tribe, over Maasai. He doesn't care. He wants one tribe, the body of Christ. Bigotry. This is what we're more familiar with here in America, but the heart of it's all the same. Stubborn and complete intolerance of any creed, belief, or opinion that differs from one's own. There's denominational bigotry. I... I, (laughs) I was out on a man's deathbed in the hospital a few years ago and I brought communion to the man. And his family was of a denomination and they were appalled that I would dare serve communion in the hospital room and that I wasn't of their denomination. And I said, well, if it matters any to you, I'm a preacher and this is the Lord's table, not yours. And I wanted to say, and your kinsman is dying. Has he not a right to take communion, you bunch of bigots? bunch of backwoods, hillbilly Christians. It angered me so much because I'm on a man's deathbed bringing him communion and these folks are hung up that we're not in church and I'm not their flavor. That's bigotry. It's not just a skin color. It's an ignorance thing. Prejudice. Unreasonable feelings, opinions, or attitudes. There's that opinion thing. Nothing wrong with having opinions just as long as you know when you're in your opinion and when you're in the Word of God. It would be be wise for every Christian to be able to know when they're being opinionated and at least have a a disclosure. Disclosure. I'm about to give you my opinion. And don't worship your opinion as gospel because it's not. Your opinion is subject to change. The gospel is not. So prejudice is unreasonable feelings, opinions, or attitudes, especially of a hostile nature regarding an ethnic, racial, social, or religious group. 
Now, this does not mean by any means that we need to tolerate sin, but we don't have to be hateful. We don't have to agree, but we don't have to be hateful. You can disagree. You can find something disgusting without being a belligerent jerk. I find homosexuality absolutely appalling. I find a lot of politics absolutely appalling. I find Jezebel's absolutely appalling and disgusting. But I love them, help them, pray for them. I, I, you know, I can learn all of that and tolerate them and still have no respect for that action or attitude or opinion and yet still try to win them to Christ. You are in tribalism, bigotry, and prejudice when you will walk away from somebody and not obey Jesus Christ. So your love for Jesus Christ and your love for the lost and people of different values, opinions, color, understanding, it has got to be overridden by the power of God in your life to win them. Don't, don't forget that every one of us at one point was God's enemy, and yet he reached through all that junk, all that sin, all that difference, and he, he wooed us to him. He won us. He sought us out and, and convicted us till we called upon him. We have to be able to do the same thing. Please also don't let uh, modern society tell you that the South has a, has a corner market on prejudice. It's only traditionally prejudice. We don't really burn crosses anymore in the South. No, now we, now we rob and shoot white people. Hey, I mean, it's gone, it's, it's gone systemic. Everybody's prejudiced. When I was in Seattle on the, out, on the West Coast in high school, they were, you had the black gangs. They mostly just killed each other. The Asian gangs were the most cutthroat ones. They, they didn't just do little arm robbery. They'd rob like a whole Walmart and hold them by gunpoint, machine guns, motorcycles, and swords. And they were serious. But that was Asians thinking they were better than everybody. Didn't care who they took. It's not just the South. Don't let anybody stereotype you. Say, oh, you Southern bigot. No. No, the Northeast pretty bigoted towards the South. The West thinks they're better than everybody else if you don't hug a tree and squeeze a bunny. You know, they're prejudiced if you don't recycle. I, I, you know, I've lived on both coasts. I understand the prejudice and bigotry. Environmentalists think they're better than absolutely everybody else. That's why every Earth Day I burn a set of tires <laughs> just to celebrate Happy Earth Day. I really don't. I've always thought about it. Today, in order to honor the Mother Earth, I'm going to burn some tires and change my oil in a creek somewhere and find a spotted owl to take hunting and eat that's a northwest thing spotted owl tribalism is the pride in one's tribe and belief that how and where you were born makes you superior to others how and where you were born that, that's the belief even prejudice even racism it's the belief that how and where you were born makes you better now which of you had anything to do with how and where you were born none of you None of you had anything to do with where you were born or how you were. Were you born cesarean? Were you born vaginally? Were you born preemie? Were you born late? According to Jesus Christ, the only thing that matters is if you've been born again. And that's still his doing. This is a fruit of the Antichrist spirit. It's loveless. It's arrogance. It's pride to think because you were born white, you're better. That's your mom and dad's fault. Because mom loved a white woman, you, dad was white, or dad loved a white woman, mom was white, so you're born white. If dad was black and mom was white, you, you came out, you know, mochaccino flavored, a little bit t- different. It's still not your fault. It's stupid. It's ignorance. 
it will increase before Christ's return. And we, that's why we have to teach on it and resist it. It's been in the earth as long as mankind has been here. The three original tribes were Sham, Ham, and Japheth. The Lord separated them. And it's only gotten worse with man's hatred and sin. Matthew 24, 7 says, For nation, which is the Greek word ethnos or tribe, ethnic group, shall rise up against nation, ethnic group, ethnos, tribe, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Jesus Christ said before his return in the last days, ethnic group would rise up against ethnic group. We're seeing racism in America flare up. It really flared up under the Obama administration uh, for very many demonic reasons. Uh, you know, I was brought up in the 70s and 80s, brought up in the South. I understood racism. I understand, I'm from deep South Louisiana. I understand racial prejudices and, and the racial tension there. It, the deep South is still heavily segregated. You still have the black part of town and the white part of town, and you're only cordial in public. Even right now in Baton Rouge, though, if you're white and you get into a black lady's line at Walmart, she'll shut the line down on you. She'll flip her switch and take a break. That's Baton Rouge right now. That's kind of, that's, that really struck hard after Katrina, and it just really hasn't subsided, last I heard. This is going to get worse and worse. The, pre, the Obama presidency really helped flare it up in America. Because until Obama, the young people didn't even really care anymore. They don't even, they just, they don't even know. Prejudice isn't in a kid. It has to be trained into them. It has to be cultured into them. When Lydia was even four, we would go into the children's picture books, and there was a bunch of different children of different ethnic groups. I said, can you point to the black baby? And Lydia didn't even know what I was talking about. Can you point to the Asian baby? Which baby's different? And she said, they're all babies. She didn't get it. Only recently did she ask Frank, how do you get black? Or it was Libby, one of the girls. How do you get black like that? Because she's starting to recognize, my skin is a little lighter than yours. And we've had ethnic people from all over the world in our house since before she was born. The racism behind it has to be taught and trained. And every one of you are Southerners and Americans. There's something in you. You have to find it and get it out. Tribalism is a pride and feeling of superiority and a birthright you had nothing to do with. So you were born German. Whoop-de-doo. So you were born in Cookville. Ask for mercy. (laughs) So you were born black. Praise God. So you were born Asian. Yay. Praise God for all of that. But it doesn't make you better than anybody. Because every culture on the planet has some good things that can be found in the Bible. And every culture, even the American culture, has some wicked things God hates. So our task is to filter out the culture we can be proud of with the Bible and the culture we should hate based on the Bible. And the thing we take pride in, as, as Paul said, may I boast in nothing save the cross. He said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That's a tribe. Circumcised according to the tribe of Benjamin. That's a tribe. But he said, dung, 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 dung. People are born where God ordains them to be born. Wherever you were born, that was the will of God. When your mom and dad conceived you, God breathed into your baby the breath of life, and God knew exactly where you would be born and when, and he gave you a destiny. Had nothing to do with you, therefore, eliminate the pride. Can you believe folks in the Upper Cumberland are in pride over whether they're from Crossville or Cookville or Sparta or Baxter? I want to zoom out and say, this is Cookville. It's the Upper Cumberland. What is there to be in pride about? Yankees are proud of being Yankees. They're proud of being from Boston or, or, or uh, Nantucket. Or, you know, people are proud of being from Texas. I guess there's a good sense of hometown pride. That way you don't hate where you're from. But to, make you th- to think you're better because you're, God lets you live somewhere is, is quite foolish. 
They are born the color God ordains them to be born. To look down upon someone due to their color, tribe, or birthplace is ignorant, arrogant, and mocks the divine will of God. Now, what's hard for us as Americans to understand is that in Kenya, and, and I mean, honestly, all of East Africa, and I'm sure it's West Africa, but I've spent a lot more time in East Africa now, they literally, and this goes all the way back, I mean, for thousands of years, they would butcher each other along tribal lines. The whole Rwandan genocide from 20 years ago was the Hutus and the Tutsis, which you and I can't tell apart, but they could, and over a million people were butchered because they were of a different tribe. That's a demon. Not in 1894, not in 1694, in 1994. Over a million were butchered because they were different tribes. That's tribalism. And to us, they're all just black. You go down to South Africa, the South Africans, the Zulus hate the Zimbabweans, which you can't tell apart. But they hate them for the same reason folks don't like Mexicans or Guatemalans, because the Zims come down and take up all the South African jobs that the Zulus are too lazy to work. Zims are hard workers. Zulus are lazy. And they're neighbors and have been for 10,000 years. The difference is the culture. South Africa is socialist. It makes people lazy. Government handouts make people lazy. Zimbabwe is not. It's a dictatorship. If you don't work, you don't eat. Well, I'll sneak across the border and I'll work because I want to eat. Maybe Americans hate Mexicans because they're willing to work hard and white folks on welfare won't. Or black folks on welfare don't. So you hate the Mexican that'll come in and work hard and save money and own something and send money back. I don't, I don't oppose that. Do it legally, though. Amen. Deuteronomy 32.8, When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. This verse tells us that God separated the sons of Adam and he put them where he wanted them to be. Scottish people are Scottish because God wants them to be Scottish. Romanians are Romanians because God wants them to be Romanian. Russians are Russians. Japanese are Japanese. Africans are Africans because that's what God wants. It's his will. And we know when we get to heaven, we're going to see every tribe, uh, tongue, and nation up there. Short, tall, pretty. Hopefully we'll all be pretty in heaven. Some of y'all need to hurry up and get to heaven. It just, it was... (laughs) Glorified body. Come on, glorified body. The thing is, we're still going to know you, according to the Bible. So maybe just be a prettier you. Amen. Maybe you'll smile more. Hopefully you'll be happy to get there. Acts 17, 26, And God hath made one blood of all nations, all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined their times appointed and the bounds of their habitations. So in Kenya, I tell them, look, the Messiah, the Messiah, because God wants them to be Messiah, and they live where they live because God wants them to be. And if you don't like it, you hate God. That's always a good slap in the face. And the Lua are the Lua because God wants them to be Lua, and they live up on the, uh, on the uh, uh, Kenyan steppe or the... Um, the Great Rift Valley step, because that's where God wants them to live. And if you have a problem with that, deal with God. Because this verse says, God made you black because he wants you black. And he made you white because he wanted you white. He made you mocha java chino flavor because that's the color he wanted you to be. And in the end, it's all just pigment. It's all just family features. The, the ignorance behind it, the animosity behind it is so stupid. It's a demon. And it's all driven by pride. All nations and tribes come from the same cursed, sin-filled blood, the blood of Adam. So, you know, really, we're all cursed. We all have something in common. We all require Jesus Christ's cleansing blood right now. Now, we deal with racism in this church on a regular basis. I, I, I shower us with it from time to time. And every once in a while, a visitor will come in, and they'll bring that vibe, and I'll just bend my service just to have fun with them. 
because you never know when they're going to get to hear truth like that again. You, you need to know over and over again, racism is learned, prejudice is learned. You picked it up from your family. Our friend Dr. Miklos, he is Slovak, as in like Eastern European, Czechoslovakia, the Slovak countries. And he said, you've never seen racism until you've been raised Slovak. And the Slovaks think every, they are the best and everybody else is third and fourth class. And I, I told him, I said, most Americans never even heard of a Slovak. And you guys think you're better than everybody else? And, and I'm sorry, in what country do you live in now, sir? Canada. A Canadian Slovakian. Yeah, I'm American. Just saying. You see, even Slovaks have a, a pride that they're superior. And uh, it's a learn. And like we touch on time and time again, the offense you get from racial slurs is learned. Even the N-word, which is the grand poobah of all mother cuss words now, has gotten worse in my lifetime. It's just gotten because we've made it worse. Not by use, but by adding value to it. And as I point out, white people, you can call us Peckerwood all day long. Nobody even remembers what Peckerwood means. And that it's supposed to be a racial slur against white people. Has everything to do with being a redneck. Cracker. You know, cottontail. All these are racial slurs from the 70s against whites. And you know what? Whites looked at that in the 80s and went, uh-huh, and just marched on. So that, you know, you go to high school now, you call somebody a redneck, they take that as a compliment. Yeah. Peckerwood. What? Cottontail. You mean like Peter? Cracker? Honky? You know, you get into these. White people don't care. But this whole generation has trained blacks in our nation to think that the N-word is an act of war. And it's only powerful because blacks have been taught to put faith in it. And as I pointed out and will for the rest of my life, it's unfortunate that black Christians in my nation have more faith in the N-word than they do the name of Jesus. Because they show more faith, more response, more emotion, more fervency at the N-word than they do the name of Jesus. Their culture has taught them that. It's a cultural issue. It's not a skin color issue. I had an African come to me one time and, and with hushed tone. She said the N-word. She said, is, is, is the N-word, is that illegal to use? Because she, she was picking up on how crazy it had gotten in our nation. I said, no, it just feels that way. You can't even say Negro much anymore, even though it's a Spanish word. You, they ought to boycott Walmart because, you know, all the cans now are in Spanish. Negro frijoles. <laughs> racist. That's a racist can. Just black beans. Negro frijoles. It's not tongues. It's Spanish. Black beans. But it all evolves and people just get their panties in a wad over the most immature things. It's a shame a little... Six-letter word has more power over blacks in this nation than God does. Tribalism would profit the Bible heroes, or wouldn't profit the Bible heroes. Churches infected with tribalism would never allow Moses to come and preach because he was of the tribe of Levi. You know, we got churches, churches in America are still pretty segregated in certain parts. They'd never have Moses in. He's not the right color. Churches infested by tribalism would never allow Gideon to come and preach. He was of the tribe of Manasseh. That's not black tribe. That's not white tribe. That's not Asian tribe. That's not Hispanic tribe. That's a totally different tribe altogether. Churches affected by tribalism would never allow Paul to come and preach. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. 
And churches controlled by the demon of tribalism would never allow Jesus Christ in. He was of the tribe of Judah. He's not black. This black Jesus stuff is stupid. You go to some people's houses, black Jesus, black angels. You know, and the white people, yeah, it's all European Renaissance. It's a white Jesus and white angels. No, he's a Jew. So to be honest with you, he probably looked more like Osama bin Laden. Because he's Semitic. He's of a Semitic tribe. That means not white, not black, not Mexican. Santa Maria, yeah, not Mexican. He's a, he's a Semitic tribesman. He's a Jew. Strong nose, olive complexion, dark hair, beard. And the Bible says he was ugly. Some of your heads just cocked sideways like The Bible says Jesus was ugly. He says he had no comeliness that we would desire. So he's not a good-looking man. Shake that out in your little evangelical doctrine. <laughs> Jesus is not impressed with your tribe, your skin color, your last name. You know, up in the Northeast, people were in pride over Irish versus Italian. In the South, it's Baptist versus Presbyterian. Here in Cookville, it's Church of Christ. He's not impressed with any of that. Jesus is not impressed with your tribe or your denomination or your skin color or your last name. Why are you? There are 12 tribes Jesus Christ mentions in heaven, and none of them are yours. <laughs> and the heavenly Jerusalem had a high wall, a wall great and high, and had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels, and the names written thereon, uh, and which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So there's only 12 tribes that Jesus Christ recognizes in heaven, and they're all Jewish. They're not American. America will not be mentioned in heaven. Russia will not be mentioned in heaven. Italians will not be mentioned by their, their ethnic group in heaven. It will be those that are born again and the 12 tribes. That's it. There appear to be only 12 tribes the Lord Jesus is impressed with. They are written on the 12 gates of the heavenly Jerusalem. And I said in Kenya this year, and unless the tribe of Lua, a Messiah, is written on the gate of heaven, I don't care about your tribe. And neither does God. It just is what it is. Some folks get into so much sinful pride about their tribal heritage or their ethnic group. There's nothing wrong with being proud of where you're from and keeping alive culture. Culture is cool. Socialism, communists, and progressives want to make one culture of all man. That's not God. In heaven, we'll still have different tongues. Every nation, tribe, and tongue is in heaven. So that speaks of culture. But what we have to be careful of is don't think that your culture is better than another culture. Jesus does not select people based on tribe. Why does man? Acts 10, 34, 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. When I worked at the engineering firm, my boss was a Pakistani, and uh, his first hire was an Indian. Uh, and so I didn't realize that there was tremendous racial prejudice between Pakistanis and Indians. And I kind of believe my boss, who was a very brilliant man, hired this Indian who was a very brilliant man so he could have a whipping boy and continue on racial prejudice. Because my Indian friend, Sanjoy, he was, he was the whipping boy. I mean, it was brutal. He was harassed, harangued, threatened to be fired. It was psychological torture, but it was all rooted from the Pakistani-Indian prejudice, which goes back hundreds and hundreds of years, which is due to the uh, disputed territory of Kashmir, which is on India's northwest border. 
and yet it carries over into a modern-day engineering firm in South Carolina. And I think he hired him because he was smart and because he could continue on family prejudice. But you wouldn't be able to tell them the part. Most of you wouldn't even be able to tell them apart the by their last name or their accent. But they could. It's prejudice. It's stupid. God does not select people based on tribe. It's based on your fear and your reverence for God and working righteousness. That's how God picks people. Galatians 5, 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. The only thing that benefits is faith. Not your skin color, not your sex, not your race, not your education. Faith is the only thing that benefits in Christ. Faith that works by love. Not circumcision or uncircumcision, which is a cultural thing. Galatians 6.15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So ultimately, all God is looking at is faith and being born again. And if you're not born again, but you've got faith, you'll eventually be born again. But once you're born again, you maintain the faith, and God will promote you. We have to really search our hearts to make sure we're eliminating any kind of prejudice. I remember, some of you maybe remember this, 11 or 12 years ago when I had viral meningitis and I had to cancel the mission trip I was going on with Brother Robert to Ireland. And we had to go through a, a um, you can get your airfare back if you have a severe sickness or a death. Other than that, you lose your money unless you have insurance. And so because I had this severe sickness where I was paralyzed and on IV drip and having spinal taps and MRIs, I had a legal right to get it's like $2,500 back on this airplane ticket. But I had to deal with an Indian call center. You know, hello, what can I do to help you today, sir? Indian. I mean, it's every stereotype you fear when you call customer support. And things started off polite, but six, it took six months to get my money back. And I developed a racism towards Indians in that six month because I was dealing with the Punjabs. And in my heart, Punjab became a racial slur. Now, Punjab is a state in India. It's a style of music. It's a style of food. It's called Punjabi music, Punjabi food. And there's neither here nor there, but I, I, had, I was so angry with them holding my money. I was like, you guys are trying to rip me off. I want my money back. What is this going to take? And it was a couple hours a week phone calls for six months to get $2,500 back. But I said, I, I became racist in my heart to people I love and food I love. I was like, got to go talk to those Punjabs now. And I developed a bigotry because they were hurting me. They were offending me. They were belligerent in keeping my money back. And so I'm a guy who typically is not very prejudiced at all. I've lived all over the country and, and traveled all over the world. But just the hostility of, uh, of intruding upon me and mine caused prejudice and racism to arise in my heart. Now, I worked with Indians. They they didn't have a problem. I, I wasn't mad at them. I was mad at the Punjabs on the phone. It was like a selective prejudice. Punjabs who were keeping my money from me. And uh, you and I have the potential to this day to still er, er, um, erect and develop new racism and new prejudice. You just let somebody who's different from you do you wrong, you'll have prejudice. And you'll want to lump everybody from their type with them, and you'll hurt your heart. You have to keep your heart right and walk in forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 7, 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. This is just proof over and over again that Jesus does not select people based on tribe but on faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. In our church, we promote people based on their obedience and their faithfulness. I don't care about skin color. I don't care about intellect. I don't care about education. 
I'm looking for faithfulness. I want as many people of different colors and cultures in here as I can get. And then I hope they stay in that unique flavor because I don't want them all to look like a bunch of cookful people. We're trying to change cookful. God's not impressed with cookful people or cookful culture. It needs to be changed. It's, it's been stuck in a rut for 200 years and, and it still washes over us and I'm still trying to scrape it off. So I want more people, more culture, more flavor, more skin color in here, more accents in here because that's what heaven's going to look like. And, but there are churches that will only promote you in this, in this region if you have the right last name. There are churches in this region that will reject you if you're a Yankee. There are churches in this region that will not accept you if you're not white or if you're not black. We still have segregated churches in Cookville. And it's ignorant. It is ignorant. We can see from these verses that God chooses people not based on color, ability, tribe, or intellect, but rather based upon the fear of the Lord, righteous works, faith, being born again, and keeping the commandments. Look, look at that list. God will choose you based on your fear for Him, your righteous works, your faith, your born-again experience, and your ability to keep the law of God. That's why God chooses you. That's, why, that's how you should choose your friendships, based on that. You should have people of every color you can imagine, as long as you can find them. We are kind of sheltered here. I'm thankful that Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Tech kind of, you know, skittles this place. Kind of gives some different rainbow flavors. Not gay rainbow, but like, you know, different nationality rainbows. The sin of partiality. Tribalism is a little harder to make stick here in Cookville, but partiality we can deal with. Partiality is a favorable bias or prejudice. This is when you show partiality. The number one place you're all guilty of it is with your children. You will curse God to bless your kids. You will, you will pervert judgment because it's your offspring. And if you would do the word, you'd realize your offspring needs more judgment than anybody in your life. Amen. Partiality is showing favor to someone and not another based on your own personal prejudices. Uh, any school teacher will tell you the, stu- the parents now will side with the kid over the teacher. Used to in my day, and most of you that are older than me, you got in trouble with the teacher, you got double drilled when you got home. Because it was an embarrassment and a shame the teacher had to get on you because you were taught better than that. But that's in the days when parents actually taught their kids and trained them and didn't just like put them like with a monkey on a leash. They actually discipled their kids and sat down and had dinner with them and had a structured life with them and took father daughter time and mother son time and and you you trained them and took moments of learning and spent time with them and didn't let a video game entertain them that came about in the late 80s and early 90s and now most of our kids are just entertained by netflix and ipods iphones and and video games and so now the parents think they're an awesome job doing an awesome job and the teachers will tell you parents are the worst they've ever been Uh, let me share this with you We're marching down the route of homeschooling, not because we don't trust teachers. Not because we're afraid our kids will be indoctrinated. Because my kids are smart enough. I mean, I'll filter it. I can unteach anything a 25-year-old boy can teach my kids. And I'll go teach that boy something myself. I'm walking down the route of homeschooling because I don't trust parents. I don't trust parents to do a decent job with their kids and my kids will be around their kids eight hours a day. That is why I want to homeschool. Not because I think the education system in Cookville is bad. Not because I think uh, some 25-year-old pseudo-pagan is going to indoctrinate my kid in evolution or gay rights because I can untrain all that. They have to learn that anyway. It's part of life. 
but it's because I don't trust parents anymore. I don't trust parents to parent their kids. And I don't want that brat rubbing off on my kid. Because I work hard enough to get the brat out of my kid. I don't need your kid adding it back into my kid. So it gets worse every generation. All you teachers can testify to that. And, but it's because parents, the first person they're partial against is their kid. They will pervert judgment because that's my child and no kid is as good as my child. Amen. <laughs> like it or lump it, say amen, oh me, it's all the same anyway. Jesus Christ is not partial to skin color, tribe, or sex. Look at James 2.8. You fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But if you have respect to, per- to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law's transgressors. And New American Standard says, if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And you're convicted by the law as transgressors. So if you show partiality towards your kids, you're in sin. You show partiality or favoritism is what we'd say. Unjust favoritism. Now we want the favor of God and you should want your boss's favor. But favoritism for unjust reasons is sin. It's partiality. Favoritism based on your prejudice is sin. Husbands, you have to be willing to thump your wives when they're wrong. You cannot side with family over the word of God. My wife will get a rebuke from me just as quickly as anybody else in my life will who's under my authority because I'm going to side with God over my wife and I'm going to side with God over my kids. Christians don't get that. Christians bend the law of God to accommodate their kids and their wife. And you cannot do that. That is partiality. It's prejudice. It's bigotry. It's sin. Partiality and prejudice are sins. They represent the total rejection of the royal law of love, which is love your neighbor as yourself. How does God love you? He thumps you when you need it. And he doesn't stop for your much crying sake. He does not pervert his judgment just because you're his kid and he loves you. He, in fact, gives you judgment because you're his kid and he loves you. He disciplines you more. 1 Timothy 5.21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring or prejudice one before another. Do nothing by partiality. Do nothing by partiality. All the rules have to be the same. Otherwise, you're, you're a, a partial judge. They talk about wanting an impartial judge when you go to court. They have to select jury. They want an impartial jury. The best way to get out of jury duty, if they ever call you, they start asking you the questions. Just say, I hate people like that, and they should burn in the electric chair. You'll go home the next day. They're like, um, we, we don't agree. We don't want this person on our jury. That's how you get out of it. My mom has gotten out of jury duty many times by asking, what's the race of the person on trial? (laughs) Do you believe in the death sentence? Couldn't believe in it enough. How are we going to kill this one when we find them guilty? Uh, We won't be needing to see you back here tomorrow, Mrs. McMichael. (laughs) No, you, you want an impartial judge. You want impartial teachers. You want impartial police officers, then how come you can't be impartial? Amen. You want your boss to be impartial? You get mad, he's just playing favorites. You hate that in everybody else's life, but you'll have it for you in your kids and, and towards your spouse, and it grieves God. James three seventeen. but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. The wisdom of God, we're talking about the wisdom of God, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. That means it's easily approachable. Hear me clearly. Some of you, you need to adjust your personalities because you're not easily approachable. 
You have this stoic look on your face. You, you just, I mean, I mean, like you're constipated with diamonds. And it makes you hard to approach. And the Bible says Jesus Christ is easily entreated. He's easy to approach. He doesn't have this scowl that says, come any closer and I'll cut you through with my eyes. I mean, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like he ate a bunch of sawdust about to poop a two by four. Which is the only way I can explain it in our culture. And if you're a Christian, your face should not look like someone just killed your favorite everything and you're mad at the world. You got to chill out. The wisdom of God makes you easy to approach. You got a smile on your face. You got a kind word in your mouth. Amen. <laughs> Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. The wisdom of God is without partiality. When you have the wisdom of God, you will spank your kids equally based on equal sin, based on equal rebellion. You won't have a favorite kid. You'll love them both this, all the same or both the same, how many you have, and you'll, you'll parent them all differently as they need it, but you won't be partial. Without hypocrisy. Notice partiality is tied to hypocrisy. Biblical wisdom does not show partiality. Wisdom is impartial. It is the wisdom of God regardless of who you are. And that's why it's stupid to get offended at truth because truth is impartial. It's just truth. The sky is blue. It just is. It doesn't care if you like blue or not. Homosexuality is a demonic possessed sin. It just is. It doesn't matter if you're a homosexual or not. It just is. You're just, you just have a demon. No partiality there. It's just the truth. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew 5, 15, 9. Tribalism is a man-made, demon-inspired doctrine that makes the word of God of none effect. They worship me in vain, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We, we reject the commandments of men. We reject family pride because our last name is McMichael or Thompson or whatever your deal is. We reject pride because we're white or because we're black. There is a great hypocrisy in the nation that if we had a white pride month, it would be called racist. But if we have a black pride month, it's called civil rights. Nothing wrong with being proud of being black, but it comes into racism very quickly. Another problem with being white, as long as you realize it's because God made you that way. Amen. There's a demon in our nation called racism. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's the end statement. If we're born again, we're of one blood, we're of one father, we're, we're one family. I had a, a black lady rebuke me one time in my pulpit right after service. She was a visitor. She, you know, had a big old prejudice chip on her shoulder. She's a racist, really, is what she is. She may have experienced bad stuff through the civil rights movement, but I didn't do anything to her. But I, I was thumping us on something, thumping probably the redneck culture, and she came down and she said, I want to commend you for how you dealt with your people that way. And I knew she was alluding to white people. And I said, uh, what do you mean by my people? I said, I have one people. That's the born again type. If they're not born again, they're going to hell. And I don't care what color they are. So what do you mean by your people? Because I knew what she meant. And I knew she was a bigot. And I thought, you may not even make heaven, you wretch. But to commend the preacher because I was thumping honkies. It's probably because she couldn't handle good black thumping. Because that would be racist to her. But if I do it towards whites, I'm helping my people. But if I do it towards blacks and I deal with their culture, I'm a racist. That is such an ignorant, partial statement. It shows partiality. It's so stupid. 
I have been to Africa so many times and seen albinos wider than you. Hundreds of albinos. They call them albinos, just the pronunciation. And yet they're still Africans. The pride in skin color is so ignorant. The pride of culture is so ignorant because pride in itself can be sinful. What we need to do is look towards the kingdom of God. The only color that matters is the crimson blood of Christ that washes away sin. Because if you don't have red, you have black. Not racial black, sin black. It's not my fault a Jew, Jesus, said, I'll wash you white as snow. I had nothing to do with that. I'm not even white. Look, I'm beige. I'm like the color of wheat. I'm like pink. Sometimes I get a little bit more Native American if I get a tan. Sometimes I'm a little lobster if I get too much sun. And even the blacks aren't blacks. They're more like a brown or a shade of Crayola. That's so stupid. It's so petty. And yet it is such a demonic stronghold. Some Christians will never go anywhere in Christ because they're hung up on their skin color, whether it's white or black or mulatto or whatever your deal is, Mexican, La Raza, or the Asians who hate each other vehemently, though they're all slant-eyed to us. But they can tell each other apart very quickly, and they don't like each other. So racism's a demon, tribalism's a demon, bigotry's a demon, prejudice is a demon, partiality's a demon. Repent of all of it and stick with the truth of God's word. Just love on people. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for these lessons, these lessons on tribalism and bigotry. Help us to resist this. Help us to be holy people without partiality, showing everybody the love of God, giving everybody the true word of God, regardless of their color, their race, their background, or their sin. May we do all things without partiality and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.